beamed up. You know that picture. I don't even like Star Trek, but it, like I just imagine like if you were just in that moment, just like, thank you, Lord. I give my heart to you, and poof. It would eliminate a lot of the drama that we go through. Just going to be straight up with that. But since that's not the case, there must be a purpose in what God's doing. So check out these verses and pull a theme out of it. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So here we sit in chairs in a pew formation doing a church thing today, right? Pretty cool. Don't stop there. Don't stop with simply sitting with other Christians on a Sunday morning. Don't let that be the sum of your experiences with God. I was reading uh, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church. He does uh, like an annual State of the Union address. And for whatever reason, I was just reading one day, what's going on there? And it's nothing like our church. I mean, we're like a global ministry with multiple campuses and stuff. And I mean, Rick Warren, he's like a startup, right? But he's doing good out there, I guess. But each week, he said 110 million people will attend church. That means that on a any given Sunday, there are more people in God's house than will attend all the sporting events combined in America in one year. And what's wild is that a lot of people who sit in church have no idea why they sit in church. One of our core leadership principles from our church is know your why. Know your why. If we're going to go in a direction, we want to be able to articulate the why. Back it up. We want to be able to look at every single thing and say, we're not going to do it just because we've always done it. We're going to do what's effective and what bears fruit. We look at the why. So when some people are asked why they go to church, when Saddleback, they looked into this, some people said they went out of tradition. Some people said they went out of habit. And other people said they went out of guilt. None of us attend for those reasons. This is a different church, so it's okay. You're fine. Take a breath. In Ephesians 2, verses 18 and 19, God is very specific in his why. For through him, Jesus, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and you are members of the household of God. In other words, this isn't just a house, it's a home. It isn't just a house, it's a home. If there's one word that I want to impress upon you today, it is family. It is family. If there's one thing that I would like to answer today for you, if you were to ask me the question, why church family, let's dig into it. One of the important things that family does for us is that family teaches us. They teach us. You think of all the things that your family had taught you. I was just talking to my cousin the other day, and my family taught me that no matter how long the sausage gravy sat on the stove, you would not get sick from eating it. And we would try that from time to time. I believe that it gave me a very strong immune system. (laughs) Family teaches you. It teaches me how to worship, though, 
And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to try to hold it together. Every once in a while, I do tear up. I need you to understand that when we're in a setting like this, it's not because I just get the feels. It's because when I feel the Spirit of God, I just open up. I melt. And so for those of you who may wonder, what's wrong with that guy? There is one explanation for partial things that are wrong with me, I guess. <laughs> but church family, it teaches me how to worship. No, this doesn't mean that when you come into the church, it's like this Simon Says thing, like do this, act that way, stand here, do that. No, it is not a Simon Says type thing. What it is, is it tells me when I come into family, it teaches me what worship really is as I plug in. A church family gives me heavenly perspective. As we grow in Christ, together as a family, we can see that this same God from the Bible is just as powerful now. It provides evidence for me that he's still working, that he is still doing the powerful things that he can do, that he still works in mysteries that my mind can't understand. As a member of this church family, I have observed some of the purest acts of worship during some people's darkest times. I've witnessed a sacrifice of praise as Hebrews 13, 15 talks about going up when people have been broken. When it seems like the last thing that someone would be doing in that circumstance would be praising God, I've seen it happen. I've seen people who are new to the faith put on a clinic for the saints of God on how to respond, on how to walk in a way that Jesus Christ is everything. I have watched hands go up in lives when everything around them seemed to be falling down. Church family has taught me. I've seen people who have been shattered rise up and seemingly put on, as Isaiah calls it, a garment of praise in the midst of a spirit of heaviness. The Bible talks about Job. Give me that Job slide. Job was in a place where he had Apparently lost everything. Just misery. Sitting in misery. And yet as he sits there, he has the faith to say, though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. Another version says, I will hope in you. And hope says that there is something ahead. Hope says that there's something that I am looking toward. I have been with the saints of God when they've been in seeming Jonah situations, where it seemed like they were in the belly of the beast, but yet they lifted their voice to God. Jonah says in the second chapter of Jonah, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. How many times we can get in a spot and we just want to give up? How many times we get in a spot and the first things out of our mouths that we want to come out is, God, why did you let this happen? But you have a guy who is like in a fish with no exit plan, praying and saying, God, I'm looking forward just your house, your house. That's what I'm looking forward to. There are times with church family that I have seen them down, but they know they're not out, and I have seen them praising God. And you may say, but I feel like I am in trouble right now. 
Psalm 46.1 tells me that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He was present then and he is present now. He was present then, and I need to build on that for someone. He was present when you were almost crippled by the anxiety, and he brought you out of that place. He was present when you were looking at a situation where if it were not for the grace or mercy of God, you had no exit plan yourself, but he showed up. He is present now in the same exact way. When I mentioned that garment of praise earlier, just to build on that, for those of you who may not be familiar, in the Bible, when people would be sad a time of mourning, they would take sackcloth, which was a really rough and ugly material, and they would put that on. And it just made them even more miserable. A garment of praise is the exact opposite. And when you research that, it is a garment that is brightly colored. Know what's weird about that? Is that maybe putting on different clothes might make you feel better. But it's more of a statement to those who see you. That they say, I know they're going through something, but they're putting on an advertisement right now that God's got this. I know that they are in the middle of something, but they're telling me that they walk with one who has this, and they're wearing a garment of praise. Not just get through it, but one of praise that I'm going to lift you up, God, in this moment. A beautiful way to describe worship, maybe Theology 101 this morning is, simply building your life around God. You want to know what worship is? It's building your life around God, centering your life around Jesus. It's looking into the closet in every situation and saying, am I going to pick the sackcloth or am I going to pick the garment of praise? Every situation and putting it on. It's being able to say, in this, I'm going to praise your matchless name. I was walking through this sanctuary last night and just praying. And I was just thinking about when Al would stand here and Al would sing, blessed be your name. You know, and he'd sing it low. I'm not even going to try because you didn't come here for that. But he would sing, blessed be your name. And the verses would say, blessed be your name. When the sun is shining down on me, when the world's all that it should be, blessed be your name. But another part of that says, blessed be your name on the road that's marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. See, church family has taught me that even when I'm not with Tim, when he's here with the worship team and he has a guitar, that worship can still happen, right? Because we can get this way in church that we think worship is limited to this time or that thing. No, worship is a lifestyle, and worship doesn't stop here. Don't let it stop here. So we go to Disney sometimes. I haven't in a while. Don't even know if I could afford the thought of going to Disney anytime soon. But I have two favorite things at Disney, Epcot specifically. First one are the ham sandwiches in France. Fire, fire. <laughs> the second one is the mariachi band. I love the mariachi band, right? And something that I discovered painfully is that the mariachi band cannot play 10 hours straight. 
they must go for bathroom breaks and such. And so the music must end, right? But here's what's weird. Even when the mariachi band stops playing, I still know that I'm at Disney. You know, you're like, I'm still at Disney. Still the happiest place on earth. I want God to remind me that even when I don't hear the music playing, that I remember where I am. That I remember who I'm walking with. That I know that I know that I walk in blessing and I walk in his protection. And in this heart that I have that just old school, you know, this song that I sing, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. I want that to be kicking in my heart when everything else seems to be silent around me. I want to be in a situation where the setting doesn't pick my song. Something that we used to say about church, because you never know what will happen. You had to be there. You had to be there. And I say that building into this. Here's an important part of church family. Being here on a consistent basis. Do you know why? Because it reinforces God truth. Studies show that regular church attendance is considered attending just a little over a third of the time. You know what that looks like? It looks like going one week and missing two weeks. Going one week and missing two weeks. That really doesn't build consistency. I say that because I'm about to dig into something here that is close to my heart. I won't hold it together when I get there. And I'm just going to be real. If David was a man after God's own heart, I hope to follow his lead. Not the Bathsheba stuff, but, but the other things. Psalm 27.4 says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So a man who had power, palaces, who was a warrior, who could have been anywhere, who could have done anything, he says, I want to be in God's house. That's what he chooses. And a man after God's own heart, that's what I want to chase after. Be real, there ain't no tired like a Sunday tired. You know it. Angriest day of my year is when we lose that hour and they do it at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. on a Saturday night, and then we have church. I'm angry. (laughs) But here's the truth when it comes to the consistency. You want to know the why? It's because God didn't put you on this earth to live a self-centered life. So as I'm thinking of church family, here's what pops to my mind. Pops into my mind is Barbara Henderson. She would go get her chemotherapy treatments in the morning so she could come be with us at the school during the day. Because it was a calling and she was sewing into us. She didn't do it because of a spirit of a religion. She did it for Jesus. I say that because it marked me. We get to this place where we can begin to think that God put us here for our benefit. But the truth is we were placed here for his benefit. I've witnessed everyday heroes in this church family putting on clinics that say we exist for God. God wants to be the focus of our attention. And this is how we do it, step 
by step. They taught me that worship is something that you live. And if you were to ask those everyday heroes their why, do you know what they would say? So that people could see Jesus. Bottom line, I'm just trying to live in a way that this word witness is played out in my life. Do I always get it right? No. Is there a swing and a miss sometimes? Yeah. But am I walking in a way that I know I am directing my life toward Jesus? I believe that Jesus reflected would look something like this. One of my favorite passages, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is John chapter 17. And Jesus is praying and Jesus says, I don't just pray for my disciples and for those that are with me, but I pray for those who are going to come to a knowledge of me through their word. But he goes on to say something. And it addresses us. Here's our why. That the world may believe that you sent me. That's a weight, but that's a privilege. Jesus Christ, who can do anything, chose us to be his ambassador to show people just like us that he came. I don't say it lightly. And what's on my heart won't end at noon. It burns inside of me because I want to do this in a way that makes Jesus proud. When it comes to consistency, that's why this is important. It says to the world that what we say is real is real. It says that we prioritize time in God's house when other things could take us away from it. It says that there's unity in this house and it's something that we want to be a part of. And it says it doesn't stop here. In this family, you know what you can learn? You can learn to bear someone else's burden. And through humility, you can learn to let other people bear your burdens. Just like Galatians 6.2 says. And what's beautiful is when we do this right, it doesn't feel exclusive, but it feels magnetic doesn't feel exclusive like this is some club that people are like, what's going on? But it feels like a family that when people walk through that back door, they feel it right away. That's my prayer as a pastor. We're a Pentecostal church. I say that unashamedly. Pentecostal churches can get all about the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And it's powerful. But you know what's every bit as powerful? Verses 46 and 47 of Acts chapter 2. They continued daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That'd be the Rolling Stones. That's my ringtone. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. He added daily. It's not just about growing a church. It's about seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through that church. And how do you do it? You do it by doing life together. That's how you do it. Church family has taught me not to allow circumstance to keep me from meeting with God's people. It's taught me that worship means letting the praise flow. Even when I have suffered greatly, 
Even when there are times that I may not be able to raise my hand. And even times when the hour is getting late. My church family has given me a glimpse of the same God that was the God of Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and they sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. I could go off right there right now on that fact that there are some people that are bound by things that need to hear our praise going up. There are some people who need to see some imperfect people raising their voice to Jesus Christ because it gives them hope of things that can happen. It says in verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone's bands were loosed because Paul and Silas chose to praise. It's not just about us. I'll tell you what my church family's taught me. I have watched Benjamin Dwarning walk through that back door in joy to be in God's house, literally on legs that were broken during surgery about a week earlier. And it melted something in me that said, you know what? Maybe your problems aren't so big. I have watched Debbie Wisniak step through that back door with a cane in one hand and the other one raised to heaven as she entered that back door praising Jesus. Literally hours out of the hospital. And it broke something in me that said, you know what? Pay attention. Because if she can praise, you can praise during this. Oh, I've watched. Here's one. Give me my slide, Diggs. What I watched was a warrior fight a three-year battle. As I watched that, I experienced someone with all the grace of Jesus Christ take every step in worship. In worship to God. I saw someone who, despite circumstance, would always encourage other people. I saw someone that regardless of where their path took them, they would be a witness for Jesus Christ in that. That's what I witnessed. I was sent this picture, and I will share that with you. This is out of her Bible, and it was written on the cover. The people who turn out the best are the people who make the best out of the way things turn out. And you can look at that, and that's not a self-help statement because it was written in God's word. What it was was it said, I know the one who makes things turn out for me. That's what it says. And I say that because we are privileged to be part of a church family. I witnessed the application of that scripture in her life. Psalm 121, 1 through 2 says, I'll lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence come my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And her eyes remained on Jesus. 
Psalm 63, 7 says this, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. And see, as church family, we have the privilege of walking with one another. As a pastor, one of the greatest honors is to be with families and to spend time there. As I spent time early Thursday morning with Debbie, the worship music was playing. And there's a song by Hillsong. It says, I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. And as the worship music played, one of my heroes, someone who loves Dina and I like our own kids, stepped into the arms of Jesus Christ. I say that because even at the end, she taught me one more lesson as church family, and that's that the worship doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here. In a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating with people who are going to be baptized. It's an act of worship. Something we celebrate together as family. But here's a question for you. All this talk about family, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? See, you can get people in a church setting that can say, I'm a good person. But do you know Jesus? You can get people that can say, but my entire family's attended this church for years. But do you know Jesus? Just because Joanne Meredith knew Jesus Christ does not mean that I know Jesus Christ unless I accept him into my heart. My question is, are you a part of the family? Are you a part of the family? Because just how we were talking before, John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And so I ask you in this moment, do you feel Jesus saying today's the day? Do you sense him saying, put it down, put it down, quit complicating things, come walk with me? If you would stand, I would just like to pray. If you are here and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you are here and you don't have that assurance, you have a relationship with Christ, I would invite you before the baptisms go on to come down and let's pray. If you bow your heads, we'll pray.
Father, right now in this moment, I pray that you would impress upon us the importance of family. It doesn't happen by accident here, God. It is a purposeful thing. And Father, I thank you for all those who have gone before us that have taught us things. I thank you for everyone in this congregation that shows me who you are in a different way. And Father, I thank you that this is family. Old school used to call each other brother and sister because we are God. And I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, amen.